What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph, and I'm here with my best friend Alex. Say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? Hope you're staying safe out there. We've got a pretty loaded show for you today. I know when I was prepping for this, I got some spicy takes uh, mixed in. It's volume two of our fantasy debates. If you didn't check out the last one, uh, it's still up on our YouTube channel. It's uh, You can find it on Spotify under Double Move Sports or Apple Pods. And what we do for these fantasy debates, we take two guys who people might have at a similar ADP or a similar value, and we break down who's going to be more valuable in 2020. So last time we did Lamar versus Mahomes, Saquon versus McCaffrey, Gallup versus Ridley. So today we have a lot more really, really good debates, uh, and it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking to try to bury Steph on some of these topics, so we'll see <laughs> if I can uh, pull it off. It'll be interesting to see us go toe-to-toe here. These were all topics given to us by the community. I think you guys are really going to like what we have for you today. I've been desperate to talk about anything football, anything sports, with just the coronavirus situation, the postponements, the cancellations. Shout out to the XFL. Rest in peace. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about here, though, that that really uh, broke pretty late in the free agency window is this move of Brandon Cooks moving over to the Texans. Alex, do you have any thoughts on him from a fantasy standpoint? Uh, How does it affect Deshaun Watson and the Texans overall offense? Any thoughts on the Cooks move? Yeah, let's break it down. First things first, I'm sure, you know, the XFL didn't have global pandemic on their risk analysis, but <laughs> obviously, you know, it's it's been tough with coronavirus so um, across the globe. So we really are, are keeping everyone in our thoughts and prayers. And hopefully this content yes. can help just provide some sort of distraction to that as we all get excited for the NFL season. So um, also, if you haven't yet, hit the subscribe button. We're dropping great content every week. We've had really good player breakdowns, player highlights, and then obviously the the pod and some of the fantasy football content there as well. We're breaking down every move that happens in the offseason, and it's going to keep going into the season. So um, hit that subscribe button if you have not yet. If you're watching on Jackson Kruger's channel, be sure to um, hit his subscribe button as well. But let's get into this Cooks trade. You know, it shocked me. I thought it might be a late April Fool's joke. Steph, you know... (laughs) I, I know there was the rumors about Cooks during the the flurry of moves that were happening in free agency, but this one, the timing was just interesting. You texted me, I think I was minding my own business, like eating dinner, and you were you texted me, Cooks to the Texans in all caps, and I, I wasn't really <laughs> sure what to think. But my first thought was like, I don't really get this move from the Texans' perspective. It almost seems like, you know, a makeup move after the Hopkins trade. I just thought if they wanted to fill that void at receiver they do it either in the draft in a really deep class or you know maybe they don't trade deandre hopkins one of the best receivers in the nfl so for me it was strange you know the bill o'brien circus just continues to carry on and um, they gave up a second round pick they took on that cook's contract that's pretty large from a cap hit for, uh, perspective but outside of the Texans, this is a bit of a spicy take. I actually really like Brandon Cooks in fantasy this year. I think he's going to be undervalued and left for wow. dead. To me, he's the best receiver on this Houston team. I know it's crowded with Cooks, Fuller, Stills, Cobb, Kiki Kuti, and a lot of those guys have similar skill sets. But to me, Brandon Cooks is the best wide receiver there. We act like before this previous season, he wasn't coming off four uh, straight 1,000-yard seasons, and that was on three different teams. He did it with the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams. Every team he's played for, he's found a way to be super effective. Um, so if he can stay healthy, I think Deshaun Watson is going to feature him in this offense, and I think he's going to get a lot of targets, a lot of air yards. There's 150 vacated targets from DeAndre Hopkins. 
Last season, Deshaun Watson was 11th in air yards per attempt. The season before that, he was 11th. So he throws the ball downfield more uh, than the average quarterback. And in 2017, he was first. We know he loves to chuck it. We've seen him do it to Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Now I think Cooks, who is even better than those two guys, is going to find ways to get open. And when you think about how this offense is built, you've got vertical guys and Cooks, Stills and Fuller, and then Cobb and QT underneath. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I think they're going to uh, bomb the ball down the field, and it's going to be fun. And if Cook stays healthy, I think he's a really strong wide receiver three or a flex play. And to me, I think he's truly going to be left for dead from a fantasy perspective. So if I can stash him on my team as my third wide receiver or maybe even my fourth, he's going to have a lot of value in good matchups this year, and he's going to have some boom games. I think there's a little bit of spiciness baked into that take, but I think a lot of parts I do really agree with. Yeah, I don't know what Bill O'Brien's doing, what he's trying to do here. I think he's just trying to get every deep threat possible and get rid of all of his good players. Uh, <laughs> I do believe in the talent, though, and the ability of Cooks. Like you said, he's had you know four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons prior to this recent one where he missed a couple games uh, with concussion issues, uh, I believe a neck injury at one point that was kind of scary. Um, yeah, I see this move as a slight bump to Deshaun Watson. He'll have another field stretcher outside of Will Fuller or Kenny Stills. You know, across their career, uh, Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are dead even at 14.3 yards per reception, which actually blew my mind a little bit. I assumed Fuller was going to be way higher. We think of him as such a boom-bust guy. You know, Cooks is also a, kind of a boom-bust guy for fantasy, but I always picture Will Fuller as, as way more of a field stretcher, kind of only catching these really deep bombs. Um, like you mentioned, right, the targets that are open now that Hopkins is gone, I'm sure some of that's going to go to Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills of that 150 uh, targets. But Cooks has been in that 115 target range in all of his prime seasons. He had 72 last year while missing two games and being banged up, as I said. Yeah, I think my projections for Cooks are are pretty reasonable. I have him in line for 80 to 100 targets, a little over 1,000 yards, four to six touchdowns. He'll be just as boom bust as he ever has been. Um you know, but if he can get back to that level that we saw him with in his prime, whether it was with New England, the Saints, with the Rams, you know, he could be the Texans' best wide receiver. And I think we look at, at, you know, historically what he's done. I think he is their best wide receiver. With a QB like Watson throwing him the ball, he should have a ton of value. I just don't trust that Cooks is going to play all 16 games. You know, with, with the scary injuries that he's had, the time that he's missed uh, over the last two seasons, I think he's missed a couple of games. You know, you can take a late-round flyer on him. Uh, I don't mind Cooks at all, you know, for an upside play. We've seen the Texans wide receivers have massive explosion games with Watson slinging it. But I just look at that ADP and I see other names there that are a little more appealing to me if we're going purely for upside. You look at Darius Slayton, you look at Christian Kirk, even names like Preston Williams, you can get around that same ADP. Um, I think that's kind of where I have Cooks in line for as well. Um, yeah, but I think I can take a name like Preston Williams around it to later and get pretty similar value. So I'm not as high on Cooks as you might be, but certainly there could be a ton there. He could fall very far in draft. Same thing we said for David Johnson in that Texans offense as well. If he's left for dead, if he falls really far on a draft board, he may actually be a really, really good value. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how the Texans make moves going into the draft. Anything else to add here before we get into our first debate? No, I think that's fair. And Cooks is definitely not a guy I'm drafting to have to rely on every single week. It's more of hoping you can get him as maybe a flex or a, a not every week starter. Um, and maybe you can snag him and a Preston Williams, snag Cooks and a Darius Slayton to be your wide receiver three and four, and then just flex them in and out based on matchups. So I think we're pretty much in agreement there um, that Cooks might have some value and he might be left for dead, but 
the Texans, man, what are you doing? I'm I'm repping my Colts quarter zip today. So the the more trades and the more <laughs> transactions that Bill O'Brien makes, I think the Colts' odds of winning the division go up um, every single time. Absolutely. So I'd love to see it. Uh, they're mortgaging their future a little bit with their cap situation and their picks. So um, as a Colts fan, sure, it's fine. You know, I, I, another scenario I could see here, just not to, to harp on Cooks too much, but you know, if it's something where there's some splits, right? If we see Fuller miss six games, what's to say that Cooks doesn't get a massive bump right. in that stretch of those six games? So it may be one of those type of deals where you kind of stash him, keep him on your bench, and then when you see Fuller inevitably get hurt, or you see Kenny Stills go out, or Randall Cobb, who's like 30, he go, you know, one of those or guys. Cooks go out and you start the other guys. Yeah, that's true, right? So this is going to be another one kind of like a revolving door of these different wide receivers that we can be starting on, you know, different weeks. I'm sure they're all going to be great DFS options um, and best ball options. But let's go ahead and move on here to our first fantasy debate of this episode. And we're talking about tight ends. This is one that we received uh, pretty, pretty often on Twitter when asking about some different topics and players that we could compare Alex, I'm going to have you go first here because I think you have the easier side in this debate. <laughs> You're taking Travis Kelsey, and I'm taking George Kittle. Let me hear your thoughts on Kelsey and you know what you have to say against Kittle. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, to me, is far and away the number one tight end. It's honestly not close. I know. I think Kittle's elite. I think there's other guys that are also elite. You think Zach Ertz. Um, as one of the as one of those guys but to me Kelsey is in a tier of his own last season he had 97 receptions for 1229 yards and five touchdowns he was the tight end one he was actually fourth in the entire NFL um, in receiving yards that's receivers and tight ends so this is a guy who you know you would have to spend super early draft capital to get him think late round one early round two but I don't know why you wouldn't just go ahead and draft Kelsey because he gives you the value of a wide receiver one, but you get to play him in your tight end spot. And that's a huge advantage just because there aren't that many elite tight ends on the board. So you look at Kelsey, here's the thing that separates him from Kittle, in my opinion. There is plenty of passing volume on the best passing offense in the league with the best quarterback in the league. Uh in the Kansas City Chiefs. And you don't get that with George Kittle. With Kelsey, you know Mahomes is going to go for around 300 yards as a baseline and a couple touchdowns every single game. Where with the 49ers and George Kittle, you could actually see them, like we saw in the playoffs, shift towards the running game plan, and then Kittle gets totally phased out. He's a good enough blocker to where they're fine just running the ball 30, 35 times a game if it's working. So, you know, back to the Kelsey side, he led all tight ends in snap count in 2019, the Chiefs were fifth in the NFL in passing yards a game, and that was with Mahomes missing two and a half games. Um, and Kelsey had eight and a half targets a game in 2019. That's the most targets amongst tight ends. Um, and from a consistency perspective, we see Kelsey continue to bring it every single week. Kittle is a little bit more up and down. He does feel like he has a little bit higher of a ceiling, but he also has a lower floor. Kelsey is so consistent. He had at least six receptions in 10 out of 16 games and at least 60 yards in 13 out of 16 games. And when we think about Kelsey as well, let's just look at his fantasy finish for the last four seasons in PPR at the tight end position. He was tight end one this year. Um, last season, he was tight end one, uh, the season before uh, this past one. Uh, back in 2017, he was tight end one. And then in 2016, he was tight end one. So he's literally <laughs> been the number one tight end for four straight seasons. You know, you just look at history. There's no reason to believe that Kelsey and this Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes are going to fall off anytime soon. He's the centerpiece of that offense. 
You know, to me, I think there's maybe a case to make for Kittle if you want to try to get him around later, maybe from a value perspective, um, you could make that case. But to me, it's it's Kelsey and it's not even close. Yeah, you put me in a tough spot here. I'm going to try to make my case. Now, I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. Tight end one, no question, is going to be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and you gave a lot of great reasons for that. If we look holistically at the game of football, yeah, I, I would say George Kittle is a better tight end just with his blocking ability. Yeah. Physically, he's bigger and he plays more physical than Kelsey. We all remember that game that Kittle took over on a fourth and two against the Saints on the Mm -hmm. road and won that one for him. You also looked at age. You know, Kittle's a little bit younger at 26 to Kelsey's 30. And we had some names like Rob Gronkowski weigh in on this debate, Shannon Sharp. They all took Kittle over Kelsey. Now, they're not talking fantasy there, but... Let's look at some of the the you know situations that you know Kittle is in. He's got less weapons to compete with in San Francisco. You know Kittle's uh, target share is a little bit higher at twenty eight percent to Kelsey's twenty four percent. So there's less you know there's no Tyreek Hill that he needs to compete with. Uh, Kittle had eleven red zone receptions to Kelsey's seven last year. Though in twenty eighteen Kelsey was number one with seventeen red zone receptions. Kittle might have a little more upside in his volume, his yardage, and his scoring. I feel like Kelsey's kind of at his peak, or he's already maxed out his volume on that offense. But this is a really tough case to make. Um, The real case I think that needs to be made here is that Kittle and Kelsey are essentially the same when it comes to fantasy, and you can wait to take Kittle almost a whole round later. Kelsey has been going in drafts in early to mid-second round. will probably be mid to late second round by draft day with some of the new rookie names but you can snag kittle four to eight picks later and essentially get the same fantasy production both tied for first at 15.9 fantasy points per game at the tight end position in ppr leagues both are top five at the position in terms of targets and receptions both are top three in terms of yards after the catch both had five touchdowns last year you know, and those target share numbers that I mentioned earlier, right, the 28% of the 24%, those are one and two at the tight end spot. So these are literally some of the best receiving tight ends of all time that we're watching here. It was awesome to see them both in the Super Bowl and get a bunch of hype at the end of last season. You know, with with 1,377 receiving yards in 2018, Kittle set the single season record for the tight end position. And that was just a year after Kelsey did it in 2017 with the 1,336 receiving yards. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, to me, they're about even. You can wait a little bit longer to get Kittle. Maybe if you're a, a fantasy player that wants to take a tight end early and Kelsey gets sniped from you, by all means, wait a little bit and grab Kittle. Um, but it's a, it's a tough one to make. I think uh, holistically, I think most would take Kittle, but you cannot debate against Kelsey as the tight end one uh, for fantasy. Uh, you put me in a tough spot there. Hopefully that case was was relatively decent, Alex. Anything uh, to say here on my Kittle case? No, it was a good case, Steph. And like you said, it, we're splitting hairs here, right? Like Kelsey and yeah. Kittle, if you end up with either of them as your tight end, you're really excited about it. Kittle had 85 catches for over 1,000 yards and five touchdowns last season. He was the tight end two, and he missed two games. Um, I mean, his upside is massive. And, again, it's just the, the thing that sticks out to me, and this doesn't – get reflected in the regular season stats was the playoff run for San Francisco. We saw them really shift that heavy running game. And Kittle, again, was a beast as a blocker. And I do agree with you that from 
you know, an all around perspective, receiving and blocking. I think I'd take Kittle from who do I want as my tight end as an NFL coach. But from a fantasy perspective, I just don't see that. Like Kittle in those playoff games in the divisional round against Minnesota, three catches for 16 yards. The conference championship against Green Bay, one catch for 19 yards. The Super Bowl, four for 36. So he can um, fall off a little bit if the 49ers feature that, you know, dominant running game. But the upside is insane. He's probably one of the most, if not the most, athletic tight end in the NFL. Um, And San Francisco still was 13th in pass yards a game in 2019, and that was while they were dominating a lot of games. Um, I think, you know, it's really hard to keep the status quo in the NFL year over year. So maybe if they're trailing a little bit more often in 2020 or if their games are a little bit more competitive, maybe that pass volume continues to increase. So I do think Kittle, from a value perspective, you know, you can make a case for it. But, man, I think we're both pretty much in agreement here that Kelsey is going to be the tight end one in 2020. And to me, I'm a big fan of taking a tight end early in fantasy drafts. I think, you know, if if you take Kelsey or Kittle, yeah, you're maybe sacrificing a, a wide receiver one or a top 12 guy. But on the back end, you can find a wide receiver two or a flex to plug in where you can feel good about 10 to 15 points a week. Last season, with our deep shots of the week segment, we found guys like Russell Gage and Darius Slayton and Steven Sims on waivers that were getting us 20, 25 points a week for nothing. We're at the tight end spot. You might be picking up, you know, Foster Moreau and just hoping for a touchdown. (laughs) So I love locking in an elite tight end, and it gives you that advantage week over week. And if you want to go with Kelsey or Kittle, I think you're fine to take either in round two and feel pretty good about it. So let's move over to the next one here. I think this one's going to be a little bit more even. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb, who finished as the RB8 in 2019, up against Joe Mixon, who finished as the RB13. We have a AFC North head-to-head debate here. I'll go first and talk about Nick Chubb. I'm the Browns homer, of course. So I'm, I'm a little biased here, but I, I'm taking Nick Chubb over Joe Mixon You know, for all the reasons that he showed us last season. You know, I like... Um, I, I like Mixon for sure, but you look at Chubb. He finished at second in rushing yards with 1,494 yards. He had eight touchdowns. Both guys, Mixon and Chubb, are about even in workload. With Kareem Hunt coming in, and I know this is going to be everybody's first kind of objection when we talk about Nick Chubb and his upside and his value in fantasy is, well, Kareem Hunt's going to be taking all of that volume away from him. You know, in those games with Kareem Hunt, Chubb still had 17.7 attempts a game, you know, so that's, that's a one attempt or two attempt difference. And then we have Mixon getting 17.4 attempts per game and getting a slight, um, you know, bump in three to four receptions a game as well. But the difference, the main difference for me comes from the offenses. You know, we have Chubb putting up eight touchdowns to Mixon's five Chubb's efficiency at five yards per carry last season at 5.1 across his whole career is higher than Mixon's. who I think is about, uh, you know, 4.2, something like that. Chubb also has a better O-line. You know, according to Football Outsiders, the Browns are 10th uh, in terms of offensive line to Cincinnati's 26th. So they have a lot of room um, to improve on that offensive line. Now, sure, Mixon makes more of his hay through the passing game, but far less yardage on the ground. I do believe in Joe Burrow. Uh, I do think he's going to be fantastic in the NFL. But I, I do think it is also unlikely, just based on watching rookie quarterbacks adjust to the league. We know Zach Taylor is a pretty young, inexperienced head coach that he has. Just mentioned the bad O line. It's just it's hard for me to look at Mixon and say he can produce more than Chubb when Chubb's on an offense that can't get worse than last season in terms of the play calling. I'm expecting more goal line work. I'm expecting plenty of volume for Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Continued efficiency on the ground. The odds to me that Mixon blows up are you know much lower 
um, when we just look at Bengals' range of outcomes. So I'm taking Nick Chubb almost more for just the, the stability and the floor there. Certainly, I do think Mixon has his upside and will be a great fantasy option. But for me, you can't you can't take anything away from what Chubb has done on the ground. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good case, Steph. And I hate to do this to you, but I am going to um, unravel everything you just said, or at least I'm going to try <laughs> my best. I know. Actually, I will give it to you, Chubb. The usage did stay fairly similar when Kareem Hunt came back, and that's the the first thing everybody thinks about. That's the low-hanging fruit. And I honestly was surprised to see that the receiving output was very similar in 2019. Uh, Chubb actually had one more reception than Mixon. Uh, Mixon only had nine more yards in the receiving game, so that was a shock to me. But you did say Chubb, you know, the better offense. He had eight touchdowns and Mixon's five. Mixon actually also had three touchdowns receiving, and Chubb had zero. So overall touchdowns, they both had eight um, and point. as far as the snaps and usage, Kareem Hunt, you know, he did he did play alongside Chubb a lot, and the carries and the snap count didn't change dramatically. But to me, like if you actually look at the fantasy production as a whole, when Kareem Hunt came back, you just can't ignore the numbers. So let me lay it out: weeks one through nine, Chubb was the running back six, um, and that was. 18.9 fantasy points a game. Weeks 10 through 17, he was running back 15, and he only had 13 fantasy points a game. So with Hunt active, he actually averaged six less fantasy points a game. He only had one less carry a game, but he had two less receptions. And in PPR and half PPR, that can be a big deal. Um, when they both were on the field, Kareem Hunt had three touchdowns. Chubb only had two. Um, I, I do expect the run volume to be better in 2020. I expect the offense to be better under Stefanski. But I really think the Chubb-Hunt split does cap his upside, both on touchdowns and just receiving work. Those are the little things that can take you from a low-end RB1 to a guy who can finish as the fantasy football RB1. So I still have Chubb around that running back 12 range. But for me, I don't see Chubb as a guy who can finish as a top three running back in 2020. But I do see Joe Mixon as a guy who can finish there with his upside. And I think their floors are pretty similar. So Mixon actually, to me, had almost the opposite um, season of Chubb. He started slow and finished strong, where Chubb started really strong and still finished pretty strong, but not as strong. He slowed down a little bit. Mixon had over 1,000 yards in 2019 on the ground, five touchdowns. Um, on the ground. He had 287 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. He came in with super high expectations. He was the PPR running back 10 in 2018. And I remember through seven, eight weeks, any fantasy football outlet you would hear was saying like, Mixon, I mean, you could almost not cut him, but if you could trade him for anything of value, trade him, but you might be stuck holding him because no one wanted him. I remember in the league we're in together, I could have probably offered you know, pennies on the dollar for Joe Mixon. I still didn't do it because through the first seven weeks of the season, he was the running back 35 um, with 8.9 fantasy points per game. But over the pat over the final, um, you know, weeks of the season, weeks eight through 17, he was the running back six with 18.1 fantasy points per game. So he finished incredibly strong. Uh, the Bengals offense improved dramatically throughout the year. Zach Taylor finally started to figure things out. You mentioned it. Their O-line sucked last year. It was 26th in run blocking. So to me, Mixon finished, you know, over those past several weeks with over 18 fantasy points a game. And he was a locked in RB1. Um, that offense is only going to continue to get better. They're going to like, draft Joe Burrow, most likely. Um, he's going to elevate that offense. A.J. Green is going to help elevate that offense. I also think they address the O-line in the draft. I think a very possible scenario is to take 
Burrow in the first round and a, and a top offensive lineman early in the second round um, to give Burrow that guy to kind of grow and develop within the league. So for me, I think the tr- the way Mixon was trending with that elite performance in the back half of the season is going to continue, and I think this Bengals team is going to be better. So for me, like I want that upside with Mixon. I do see a range of outcomes. What you know, it's not a high range of outcomes. I don't think the percentage is high with McCaffrey and Barkley and some of these guys, but Mixon. There is a world where he finishes at the running back one, and I just don't see that for Nick Chubb. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. I, and, you know, if you look at the the bottom end of that range of outcomes, that's where I see his mix. It's a little bit more scary to me. You know, what's what's more likely? That Joe Burrow is going to come in and just be the next Patrick Mahomes, you know, in his, in his first eight games, and they're going to be fantastic? You know, maybe, uh, but I don't see that as likely as something like a Daniel Jones type of situation or a Drew Locke type of situation where they show flashes. Um, they also show, you know, they make rookie mistakes. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be an interesting one nonetheless. I like both of these names in fantasy. Uh, I, I think you did a really good job making that case for Mixon there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it really just goes, it comes down to what's your tolerance uh, and risk factor early right. when you're taking a running back in the you know second round, maybe late first round. So let's mo- go ahead and move on to another one here, talking about two other big running back names. Yeah, these are two guys that I'm pretty excited about, actually, for 2020. I'd be thrilled to get either. But we're going to break down Dalvin Cook versus Alvin Kamara. I am going to vouch for Alvin Kamara. He is my keeper in Steph and I's um, league that we're in together. So I'm super excited about him. I'll go ahead and kick it off. Alvin Kamara last season, people acted like he was a bust, but he still finished as the running back nine. And that's after missing two games with a high ankle sprain. So Kamara's super safe. Um, He had 797 rushing yards and five touchdowns on the ground last season. And he had 81 receptions for 533 yards and a touchdown through uh, the receiving game in in, uh, 2019. So to me, you know, Alvin Kamara, not only did he miss two games and he still was able to put up those stats, but with a high ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, we saw it with Saquon Barkley as well. That lingers for a couple weeks, even after you're back. Really, the recovery time for that is four to six weeks. Kamara came back after two, and then he wasn't quite himself for those first couple games. And, and at the end of the season, we really saw him get going um, on the ground. So the thing to me, well, there's two things to me that put Alvin Kamara in um, a different tier than Dalvin Cook. And one, it's the health. Alvin Kamara has only missed three games in his first three seasons. Um, Dalvin Cook has missed, I think, 14 games. Um, No, 19 games. Sorry, 19 games in his first three seasons. So Dalvin Cook is elite, but he just can't stay on the field. I know that's the low-hanging fruit and the easy thing to pick apart with Dalvin Cook, but I'll let you address that later. But um, Alvin Kamara has had 81 receptions in each of his first three seasons. So to me, he's a lock for another 81 receptions in 2020. Um, In his career, he's had 5.4 receptions a game and 6.7 targets a game through the air. And PPR and half PPR formats, that just provides such an incredible baseline and a floor for Alvin Kamara. He's super safe on a week-to-week basis. Even if he doesn't have a super efficient game or even if he doesn't have touchdowns, you know he's going to get catches and still give you 10 to 15 points on his worst week. Um, So in his career, he's actually averaged more targets a game than DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, or Juju got got last season. Wow. um, you know, he only had six total touchdowns last season as well. 
um, after averaging 15 touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. So, you know, that was the difference with him last season. He only had the the six touchdowns compared to having an average of 15 in his first two. So I think, you know, he will have some positive regression next season. I don't think he's going to get back up to 15 touchdowns. That seemed a little high for his first two years, but I could easily see him getting back in the 10 to 12 touchdown range um, next season, which really raises that upside even more. In 2017, as a rookie, he was the RB3. Uh, in 2018, he was the RB4. And this season, I think he's a competitor to be the RB1. I think he's a locked-in top five guy for 2020. And again, with um, that receiving work that he gets, with the touchdown upside, and with the efficiency and the electric running style that we've seen from Alvin Kamara, he's a guy who could easily finish as, a, as the top running back in fantasy football. Drew Brees is back. We know the offense is is going to be good. They've they're so consistent. They're they're stable. There's not a lot of moving pieces there. I think uh, you know they bring in Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think that impacts Alvin Kamara at all. So it's a stable offense. We've seen him do it year in and year out, and we know Kamara does it on the ground and through the air. He's safe. He stays healthy for the most part. So to me, that's the difference. I, I think Cook is great. I'd be happy to have him in 2020, but. Alvin Kamara is just so much safer, and that's what I'm looking for if I'm taking a running back in the first, you know, five or six picks of the draft. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they're both coming off seasons where they dealt with injury at different points. You know, Dalvin Cook had essentially his healthiest season, and he finishes the RB6, so finished a little bit higher than Kamara. Something that, as I was getting into the numbers, I really found is, is you know, why these two have a slight gap for me and why I take Cook over Kamara is if we look at – one, their volume and the differences there. So, you know, we know you, you just talked about it, right? The 81 receptions a year that Kamara gets, that's fantastic for a running back in terms of passing volume. You know, Cook gets slightly more volume on the ground and he actually does get a, a decent chunk of receiving work. To me, the gap between Cooks and Kamara on the ground is way farther apart than the gaps if you compare their receiving work. So let's look at Dalvin Cook's carries. He had 18 attempts per game and four receptions per game last season. Kamara had 12 carries a game and six receptions a game last season. We have Kamara finishing fourth in receiving yardage amongst running backs, and Cook was only two spots behind him at sixth. So you look at, at just straight you know, receiving yardage, uh, they're almost you know, even. And on top of that, you have Cook finishing ninth in rushing yards. Just a lot of volume, a lot of production. So with Cook, you're getting six more carries a game. And a lot of that means more scoring potential. Cook has had 50 red zone touches in 2019, which had him at six the month running backs to Kamara's you know, 36. So almost you know, 15 additional touches there in the red zone for Cook. And Cook had 13 touchdowns to Kamara's six. And I'm not saying either of those names won't regress to a middle, but I think that tells you a lot right there just in terms of their scoring. So when we look at the gaps in receiving work, I think it is closer than if we look at you know, the gap in, in rushing ability. Um, and, and I think Dalvin Cook and Kamara, again, are both fantastic. The yards per attempt, their efficiency is relatively even, but I'll just take the guaranteed workload, a little bit more scoring that again on the Cook side compared with the Kamara side. Um, can't really debate you too much on the injury side. I just look at, at 2019 and see that things are trending in the right direction, at least in terms of Cook's health. Um, and I'm not worried about Latavius Murray coming in and taking carries away on the goal line. 
um, or in short yardage situations. We know that's all going to go to Cook. So that's my case for Cook there. You know, they're both pretty even, I would say. And, and like you said, I'm happy having either one on my team. I'm just taking Cook here of the two. Well, Steph, it's actually funny you bring up Latavius Murray because he's on the Saints now. And I don't see him bringing, uh, coming in and taking that goal line volume away from Alvin Kamara. Um, you know, we did see that happen a little bit with Cook uh, and Latavius Murray when he was in Minnesota. But to your point, I don't think Alexander Madison is a guy who's going to take that away, even though they spent pretty decent draft capital on him last year. And with Cook, to your point, like if I could guarantee that Dalvin Cook was going to stay healthy for the whole season, I think I might be tempted to take him in front of Alvin Kamara just because of that workload that you talked about and the run heavy offense. But to me, if you take Cook, you definitely have to scoop up Alexander Madison as an insurance policy. Um, Absolutely. But again, like Cook last season was the RB2 through 14 games before he got hurt. Um, in 2018, he was the RB7 over the last seven games of the season, but he just can't stay on the field. And for me, if I'm going to take a running back that early, I want a little bit more stability, and I don't want to have to worry about him getting banged up. But, it, I mean, you brought, you've made a great case. When they're both 100% healthy, like Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, you, you're happy with either of those guys as your running back one. Um, and, you know, Kamara's always been known for his efficiency, and Cook has been known to be efficient with volume as well, but it's it might be a little bit too much volume for him to hold up. Absolutely. And again, this is another one where we're, we're definitely splitting hairs here. Yep. Let's go ahead and move on to one where we're talking about some quarterbacks, and I think there will be some interesting cases to be made on this one. We're talking Absolutely. about Dak Prescott versus Kyler Murray, both of these hybrid quarterbacks who can make plays through the air and on the ground with their legs. I'll go ahead and make my case for Dak Prescott, and then I'll have you talk about Kyler. But, you know, you look at, at Dak in 2019, he was ahead of Kyler in every passing metric. Now, Dak's coming off his best, you know, passing season. But if we look at pass plays per game, pass attempts, deep ball attempts, whatever you want to say about, you know, the Cardinals and Kingsbury's, you know, pace of play and the vertical and the air raid, all of those takes to me fall out the window. If we just look at last season for the Cowboys, Kyler had essentially twice the attempts on the ground for twice the yardage um, so he, he led in most rushing metrics but they were pretty similar when they did run you know Dak was running at 5.3 yards per rushing attempt Kyler at 5.8 so you know pretty much the same when we look at efficiency um, of course you know Murray's ground game is superior I can admit that but Dak gives you so much more known compared to the unknown we have four seasons now with Dak Prescott we have one season with Kyler you know, Dak's really shown us what he is. He's a he's a QB1 with upside every season. Here are his finishes. In 2016, when he took over the job from Romo, he finishes the QB6. 2017 and 2018, he finishes the QB10. And then in 2019, last year, finishes the QB2. So we look at that. And then Kyler had 20 touchdowns in his first year to Dak having 23, 22, and 22 again uh, across his first three seasons and then 30 last year I just like that upside I think Dak is also showing us that he's improving every season he's coming off his best best throwing year throwing for over a thousand yards more than any of his previous seasons almost threw for 5,000 yards in 2019 you know he has the same receiving core essentially that he had um, he just misses Cobb there but he still has a you know true alpha wide receiver one in Amari Cooper Everyone loves Michael Gallup and the upside there. Zeke is still there to add stability to that offense and help on the ground. There's more experience among that team. Um, even with a new coach coming in compared to, to you know, what the Arizona Cardinals have with Kingsbury and Murray. Now with McCarthy at head coach for the Cowboys, who we've seen sustain large passing volume offenses with the Packers. Um, yeah, I would agree with anyone who thinks the Cowboys will not be worse this year. 
I think they'll be similar to where they were last year, quite honestly. Um, Dak has some seasons under his belt now. He's he's playing his butt off for that contract that he wants, trying to prove all the haters wrong. So, yeah, I just I like Dak a lot here. I think he gives us a little bit more known, um, maybe a little bit less upside, but we just saw he finishes the QB two. Um, so, you know, yes, maybe that's in the range of outcomes for Murray as well. I'll just take a little bit more of the known when I'm going for a quarterback in fantasy, um, you know, compared to, to what I might get from a rookie, you know, in a new system. Uh, that offense could be very volatile in Arizona. Could the wheels fall off in the air raid? I don't think we've seen enough to really say if it is working in the NFL so far. Um, and then we look at the O-line. You know, we had Kyler Murray taking you know, 48 sacks in 2019 to Dak's 23. That's also a little bit concerning for me, uh, but I think I've made my case there. I love Dak as a, as a fantasy option, and I think he's only going to continue to improve. I think he has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, that, it's a great case, Steph. It is. Uh, you know, those are some some good points. You know, the, the, the O-line thing is something I hadn't really thought about. My, my first thought is, you know, you never want to see your quarterback get hit that many times, but maybe that causes Kyler to improvise a little bit more and maybe he he, he ran the ball more in 2019 because of that um, the O-line wasn't holding up who knows but before I really get into it I want to remind everyone watching hit the subscribe button if you're enjoying this if you're watching on you know Jackson Kruger's channel make sure to smash his subscribe button as well uh, over on our double move channel we've done a lot of awesome highlight videos and player breakdowns as, as well as these fantasy debates so um, if you're enjoying it please subscribe we really appreciate it uh, but to get back to what we're talking about here with Kyler and Dak you brought up the breakout season this year through the air he had 596 attempts 4900 yards and 30 touchdowns the thing that's concerning to me about that is that he beat his previous career high in passing yards by over a thousand yards and he beat it in attempts by 70 attempts so I, I do think you know it's a step up in the playing style that Dak Prescott has I think maybe he's getting more comfortable as an NFL quarterback he's slinging the ball a little more but to 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 beat those numbers by that much, I see some regression coming. This is still a run-first team. Zeke's going to get the ball 300 times on the ground in 2020. And on a run-first offense, I just can't imagine Dak Prescott throwing the ball that much again in 2020. You know, they struggled a little bit this past season, and I think they are going to be a better team. And what that could mean is more running volume if things are working on the ground. Um, so, I, again, I think Dak, I have him around the quarterback five. He has elite weapons with Cooper and Gallup and Zeke. He can run the ball well. Um, he has a high-scoring offense. So, you know, I think Dak's a great player. But to me, I think he's not a guy that's going to come out like a Lamar Jackson did this past season or Patrick Mahomes the season before and literally break the NFL. And Kyler Murray <laughs> is a guy who I think that could happen. Um, in his rookie year, I know you mentioned the volatility, and there was volatility in his rookie season. I had him as my fantasy quarterback for a good chunk of the year in one of my top leagues. And there were a couple of first halves where he had, like, 0.5 fantasy points and I was sweating pretty hard I was tilting <laughs> my butt off um, but he came he would finish up with 15 20 fantasy points sometimes even got up to like close to 25 so this offense was definitely still figuring it out he had 542 attempts 3700 yards and 20 pass touchdowns as a rookie uh, he had 93 attempts on the ground for 544 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns as a rookie, he finished as the quarterback seven. That is super, uh, super high for a rookie quarterback. He was ninth in the NFL in pass attempts as a rookie. I expect him to throw it 600 times in 2020. Um, his pass 
touchdown rate was actually super low. I just said he was ninth in pass attempts, but he was only 21st in pass touchdowns. So the, the gap there tells me that there's positive regression coming from a passing touchdown perspective. They weren't very efficient in the red zone um, in Kyler Murray's rookie season. And you know what's going to help them in the red zone this year, Steph? Um, I think it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> just pick help. up a top, a top receiver in the entire NFL to throw the ball to. Um, I think, you know, with, with Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, that's an elite group of weapons. They were 17th in scoring offense last season. That's not really that great, especially for how fast their pace of play was. You get Kingsbury in year two. You get Kyler in year two. You bring in... DeAndre Hopkins. Now you have Kenyon Drake for the back half of last season and through a full offseason. I expect them to no doubt be a top 10 scoring offense in 2020. Last season, you also got to look at the full spectrum of guys Kyler was throwing the ball to. Damier Bird, Keyshawn Johnson, and Pharaoh Cooper combined for 121 targets last year. Wow. If you take those 121 targets and give them to... Uh, let's see, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to do a lot more with them than those other guys did. No disrespect to them. Um, so you just got to look at the weapons and, and the step up that Kyler is going to be able to take with Hopkins in this offense. And we mentioned the rushing, uh, and you kind of gave Kyler some credit for his rushing ability. He was second in rush yards by a quarterback, only behind Lamar Jackson. Um, with that rushing ability, though, that was five fantasy points per game on the ground with his legs. So... That's what you look for in a fantasy quarterback to give you a really strong baseline. If you're getting five fantasy points a game on the ground, that's what gives you consistency week in and week out, and that's what gives you the ability to elevate to a, a week-winning performance. That's how you get to 30, 35 fantasy points as a quarterback. To be fair, Dak Prescott had three fantasy points on the ground with his legs in 2019, still really solid, and that was actually lower. Um, this was his worst career output in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns for Dak, so I do think that will pick up a little bit, um, to be fair to him. But to me, the difference here is I think the volume – for Kyler Murray could be huge next season. I think the efficiency is going to increase just by getting a full season and offseason under his belt um, and getting Kingsbury a full season and offseason under his belt. Obviously, the weapons pick up um, as well. So to me, it's just the upside for Kyler. I have him actually as my QB3 right now, just behind Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Dak is far behind, but Kyler Murray is just electric, and I think he has the skill set to take the league by storm. Uh, and be one of those guys that you draft that wins you your league. And, and unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be the Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes of this season because when Mahomes won MVP, he was being drafted like in the last round of drafts. And when Lamar you know, won MVP last season, he was going seventh, eighth round, maybe later. I think Kyler is going to be hyped up this year. He finished, as I said, QB7 last year, and then he brings in Hopkins. I think he's probably going to be one of the top five quarterbacks off the board. I don't know with that – um, draft capital and that value that I'm going to get him in very many leagues, but I think he's going to um, show up and he's going to finish there. So if you do draft him early, I think he's going to be worth it. Um, but to me, it's just all about the upside with Kyler. Absolutely. And I think upside at the quarterback position is huge for huge in fantasy. That may be the most important part because, you know, the variance in a quarterback, you know, look at a QB eight versus a QB, you know, 15. Those are pretty close in terms of points scored yep. when you look at a much larger variance at running back wide receiver you know according to fantasy pros adp we have kyler murray right now as the uh quarterback four and dak as the, as the quarterback five so you can yep. wait a little bit again 
take a little bit more of the known versus the unknown when we look at Dak with four seasons of experience, Kyler Murray with one, with an, with an unproven head coach and, and system. Um, again, it's another one where we're splitting hairs. I think it is a, a debate worth having. It'll be very interesting to see what this debate turns into after a whole nother season where we can see a little bit more from Kyler. I'm very interested in one, the pass volume, like you said, but also the rushing ability. I'm curious if he's going to be taking off as much. I felt like early on, Kyler was actually a little bit scared to run in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know whether if it was, you know, just the, the physicality of it, the pace of play, or maybe, um, you know, it was a coaching thing with Kingsbury say, hey, let's, let's figure this offense out through the air before you take off every play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see there. I'm Kyler certainly one. I think we all have our eyes on, but just like you said, I am scared of the ADP as we creep towards draft day. I think everyone, you know, is looking for that next Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I think Kyler Murray's the obvious pick there. We'll see when some of these rookie quarterbacks come in. Um, you know, I think that could be the true, you know, next version of those guys. So we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to, to what's going to happen with both of these players as we, you know, enter the season. Uh, Alex, anything else to add here? I think that's all we wanted to hit on in terms of the fantasy debates today. I had a lot of fun going back and forth on some of these players. I'm really interested to see what you guys think down in the comments. Um, if you have other players that you'd like us to break down, you know, one that came up that we have um, backlogged would be Allen Robinson versus Kenny Galladay. I think that'll be a very fun debate to have. But Alex, I'll let you, you give us some parting words here. Anything else before we hop off? Nothing big. Just like Steph said, throw those debates that you want to see down in the comments. We'll be sure to try to get uh, get to them next time. Um, again, stay safe out there. I know these times have been tough for a lot of people. Yes. I hope you're staying well and staying healthy. Um, and again, we're, we're happy to try to provide some sort of value and some sort of distraction from everything going on. We're really excited for the NFL draft coming up. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch this season uh, with the virtual draft. It's going to be, as a fan, it's going to be weird to kind of watch and track everything that's happening. It's going to be really fun too. Me and Steph were talking before the show. There's a lot of a lot of value at the skill positions, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. It's a really deep class. It's going to be fun to see where some of these guys land, and it's going to be really fun to break down. So keep an eye out for the draft. It's going to be fun. And again, just stay safe uh, and let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Let us know if there's any content you want us to, to make and talk about because we'd love to. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.